welcome to the last of a four-week series of Theology on Tap up here in the North County. My name is Carrie Gable. I'm the part-time director of Young Adult Ministry and the part-time Young Adult Leader at St. Bridget's. And so glad again to see so many of you here. Theology on Tap started um, 30 years ago, Chicago, Illinois, when a young guy graduated from college, went to his local pastor and said, okay, I'm graduated. Now, how do I live out my Catholic faith? What does it look like to include God in my decision-making? What does it look like to include God in my relationships? And how do I know um, what to do next, et cetera, et cetera? You know, do, do, am I really supposed to confess my sins to a priest? And so a whole slew of questions came up. And the response of the pastor was, let's go have a drink and dinner, and let's talk about faith. And the idea of Theology on Tap is to meet young adults in their 20s and 30s where they're at. So we're in the restaurants, we're in the bars, and talking about faith. The topic tonight is the reality behind the fantasy of porn, an interview with an ex-porn star who shares her story. And there is hope and healing for all involved. So we're very fortunate to have Matt Frad. He works for Catholic Answers. He's a full-time apologist for them. And he, uh, just a couple other fun facts. He loves to surf. He has a great accent. He makes his wife laugh. And they're holding baby number three in the back. So her name is Kiara. Beautiful baby girl. Look how cute. <laughs> a new addition to the Frad family. And he's going to be interviewing April Garris. And, her, and she's going to share her story. She drove down tonight from the San Bernardino area. So please help me welcome Matt and April. So I understand it's the anniversary of G.K. Chesterton's death tonight, so raise a glass. How many years is it, Dave? It's his birthday, my bad. <laughs> to Chesterton, all right. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I uh, hope, hope, hope you don't mind, maybe we'll just put our glasses and um, cutlery down for a second. We'll just um, begin in a short prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have created us in your image and likeness. Lord, we pray that this night you would bless my words and uh, April's words. And that what we would have to say would be useful and helpful. And that you would imbue what we have to say with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we pray for those listening, open up our hearts and help us to receive what you want to say to us tonight and give us great hope and give us great expectation for what you want to say in this time tonight. We offer this night and all of us here gathered through the intercession of the Blessed Mother as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's a pleasure. I, I've met some of you. I've been here for eight months, my wife and I and our three children. And it's just terrific to be in San Diego. What a beautiful place. We actually came from Ottawa, Canada, which is the capital city in Canada. We figured out we were wearing a coat for about six months of the year. <laughs> so... I mean, anything after that, you know, it's, it's just terrific. So thanks for having us. Um, for the last three years or so, I've been traveling a lot 
and speaking a lot on pornography. I've been working with those who have been in the industry on both sides of the camera, so um, porn stars and producers. So you can imagine that when I, given that I travel a lot, when I sit down on an aeroplane next to some, you know, unassuming soul, <laughs> that, you know, you, you create some pretty good conversation, you know? And sometimes I just don't want to chat, you know? You're sitting there and you feel to San Diego, just shut up, want to go to sleep, you know? I'd feel that way. But I try and at least open up the conversation by at least saying hello, you know? Try and look away from my iPhone for a second and go, g'day, how are you, you know? And usually, people inevitably always ask this question, where are you off to? Same place as you. <laughs> I never understood that. But then undoubtedly, the next question usually always is, so, what do you do for a living? <laughs> So it depends on how good I'm feeling, you know. Usually I'm like, well, if I'm in the mood, you know, I'm like, well, let me tell you. I do a lot of work, you know, pornography, those in the industry. Talk about chastity, you know, the beauty of God's plan for human sexuality, how liberating that is, you know. And I usually get three responses. One is just a, oh, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> and, they, and they go back to reading their Cosmo, you know. Or... Um, or it's just a, uh, or they try and relate somehow. That's always fun, you know. Yeah, I know. I teach math, so <laughs> I'm with you, you know. Um, or my favorite. Well, sometimes my favorite is just the kind of overly enthusiastic. Oh my goodness, that is amazing, you know. And so it generally starts up a great conversation. So, but sometimes it's really awkward. But I imagine it's probably not awkward tonight, as you all chose to come out. But thank you for coming out tonight. You know, like I know, that pornography is a huge deal. So maybe you're a young lady who struggles with pornography sitting here tonight. Maybe you're a man who does. Um, maybe you don't struggle with pornography, but maybe you have a parent who does, a child who does, a best friend who does, a spouse who does, a boyfriend, a girlfriend who does. Um, and if none of those are true, uh, it still remains the fact that you and I live in a pornographic culture. Uh, and it's not very difficult to figure that out. So this affects all of us. And one thing I'm convinced of is that it is far more severe than any of us in here tonight, including myself, understand. That it is not simply naughty, but wicked, evil, soul-destroying, you know? That if we want any chance at true, authentic human joy, true love, you know that love we dreamed about when we grew up and we'd marry someone, we'd have kids? If we, if we want a glimmering of that then we need to drive the freaking death nail through the heart of pornography, you know? Um, this is something I've struggled with in the past, you know, and, and have experienced a great deal of healing. So as, as certain as I am that it's wicked, I'm as certain that there is great hope and healing, you know, um, through Christ, through the sacraments, and through professional counseling if needed, you know? So it's a hopeful message as well. Um, one of the things we want to do tonight is just share a story, you know? Why do we want to do that? I think because in sharing the truth, the fantasy begins to lose its sparkle a little. Have you ever seen the Truman Show? Hands up, 14 years ago, Jim Carrey. Great show. If you haven't seen it, I really encourage you to see it. Without giving too much away, Truman is a man whose life is a fake one. He lives in a gigantic television studio with literally thousands of video cameras filming his every move. Now, he thinks this is the real world. He was born in this studio. 
right? But everyone is an actor. Everything in his life is fake. His father didn't really die in a boating accident. His wife doesn't really love him, right? Now, so long as Truman is living under this illusion that this is reality, he's quite fine to go along with this fantasy. But it's only when he starts to realize that this is fake is he then given the motivation to break free, you see? And this is what I want to do tonight. We want to just kind of shed light on an industry that is so often portrayed as glamorous entertainment for well-rounded consenting adults. And we want to say there's a lot of myths involved. Um, With me tonight is a lady who was in the industry, made about 15 movies, got out of the industry in 2001, and has since then been working with those in the industry who are either uh, currently working or um, have recently left, just to kind of help them, you know, acclimatize back to the culture, back to reality. She's a beautiful lady, and please give it up for April Garris. Thanks, April. Well, um... This is what I'm really excited. I was telling April when we drove here today, I was really excited that we didn't kind of rehearse this. We didn't have time for a start, and I have three children, so I have never have any time. But that it was just going to be fresh, you know, that even though I know your story, I um, get to ask it anew and from different angles. And so maybe what we can do, April, now that we kind of know uh, when you left, what you did, and what you've been doing since a little bit, is to sort of rewind a little bit. Um, maybe we can begin by asking the question, uh, you know, when you were six and seven growing up, Uh, maybe even a little older, was being a porn star something that you ever dreamt would be possible? And maybe tell us a little bit about your childhood. No, of course. It was never something that would even have occurred to me. Um, When I was growing up, uh, you know, I wanted to be a veterinarian. You know, like all other girls, play dress up, you know. Um, You know, you want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to have a family. Um, My childhood, as far as that goes, I was raised by a single mom. Um... Every year, I would go visit my dad for about three months, so he was never really a part of my life, and um, that was very difficult for me, and it enabled me, not having that father figure and not seeing what a healthy relationship was. My mother had a lot of issues with men, and she didn't really talk to me about sexual things, and, you know, so I either talked to my friends or I looked it up in the encyclopedia or whatnot, so I didn't really... Yeah, so I didn't really have that healthy um, image of what a marriage or relationship should be. And, and not only that, but my father not being a, a regular part of my life, it just, it was very difficult for me. And it just, it really enabled me to make a lot of really, really bad decisions. Um, I had a very unhealthy view of sex just, you know, from the beginning. And it was because of that um, broken family. And not only that, but like most other girls in the industry, I was sexually abused when I was visiting my father one summer, which I really won't get into. I blocked a lot of it out. But um, so there was a lot of issues. And, you know, when you start off early in life with those kind of issues, it just, you don't make healthy decisions. And um, so it was just, I don't want to say it was, like, I didn't say I was destined to, to to have that lifestyle, but was certainly a you know a factor in it. Absolutely. <clears throat> and so, maybe lead us into the day it 
either the day it dawned on you that this might be a possibility, or what were the specific steps that led you there? Uh, I'm sure you didn't wake up one day and think that would be a great idea. You know, no, didn't see that in a vocations guide. In the... <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, like, so what were the things that you got into? How did you get into them? Maybe a couple of things that led you to think that this might be a possibility. Uh, being in the porn industry? Yeah. Um, well, like you said, it's not something you just wake up and want to do. It's, it's a gradual process. Um, I guess, you know, the, the main fact was money. Everybody, they, they get in it because of the money, and that's what keeps them there. Even though their life is hell, even though they're miserable and suicidal, it's, it's always the money. And so that's what drove me to, to start doing porn. Um, I was married at the time. Me and my husband were in it together. He was actually my manager. Um, and he was the his he was addicted to porn for a long time and um, I'll just go over this briefly. Um, we actually uh, watched porn together as a marital aid uh, for a few years, and so that kind of that enabled me to transition into it. Not only that, but you know you just don't start out porn. You start out. I started out stripping. I did bachelor parties. And at the time, my husband and I were having financial problems. He wasn't working. I wasn't working. And so that drove us. And, you know, because of his, his you know, when you watch porn for so long and you use it as a marital aid, it doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. And so th that just, I, was, I guess I was numb to it. Um, when you're watching porn, you get a whole different idea uh, than what, it's, what it really is what's going on, you know, behind the scenes, you really have no idea. So it was just uh, me stripping for a few months. Um, and it was funny because uh, I decided to get into porn because I hated stripping. I absolutely hated working in the club. Um, and I wanted to quit so bad, but I didn't have, you know, I wasn't employed and we needed money. We had a child. So, you know, in my warped mind, in my naivety, I thought that well, hey, I'll get into porn. It doesn't look that bad. You know, my husband and I have been watching it for years. You know, they look like they're enjoying themselves. You know, it looks pretty glamorous. Uh, they make a lot of money. And I actually thought, I'll have more control. Because when you're working in the strip clubs, you have men touching you. You have men, um, you know, saying things to you. It's very degrading. And you watch porn, and it just seems so glamorous. And the girls seem like they're having such a good time. And so you thought, well, that might be a step up. And... It wasn't. It was a nightmare. It was a step down. Absolutely. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> during the time when you were stripping and um, doing bachelor parties and things, how did you justify, did you feel the need to justify it to yourself? And if so, how did you do it? Uh, when you're working in that industry, you can't justify it. So what you end up doing is you end up just um, turning a part of yourself off I call it you. You go into porn mode. It's when you turn you. It's when you turn turn a part of yourself off, a part of your emotions, a part of your psyche, and you just go through the motions like a robot. And that's how it was the entire time I was doing dancing. The entire time I was in porn, I just I, I shut that part of myself off. That that moral part. That part that said this is degrading. That part that said this isn't right. And I just went through the motions. 
you have thoughts in your mind like this will be over soon, this will be over soon, you're thinking about the money, you're thinking about just it, it's going to be over soon. And so you shut that part of yourself off and you go into porn mode. And the only way I can really describe it is you're like a robot. You just go through the motions. You just do what the producers are telling you to do. You say the things you're supposed to say that will sell the video. And it's my, my history of sexual abuse, it made it very easy to do that because when a girl is sexually abused, she shuts herself off from the reality of the abuse that's going on and she just kind of zones out. That's why so many of the girls in, in you know, dancing, in the porn industry, I would say 99% of them are sexually abused. Every single girl that I've talked to has had some sort of sexual abuse in her background. There would be molestation, rape, or whatever. And that enables you to just to turn that part of yourself off. And so it, it's, you're able to do it more easily when you're in the industry because you're used to it. And so I wasn't, I didn't really justify, I justify it because of the money. Oh, it's just a job. Oh, you know, because I was in it with my husband. Oh, he approves, so it's okay. But I always knew, you, you know, in your heart and your mind that it's wrong. Before we talk about, you know, maybe the first day of the porn industry, what that was like, before we go there, maybe speak a little bit about uh, your husband at the time. Um, what, did he have any concerns about this? Was was this something he wanted you to do? Um, and then how did your relationship change once you began stripping and dancing? Well, before we got in the industry together, our relationship was, there was no intimacy in our marriage, um, physical or emotional. And so I guess, um, so, you know, we went into that with that kind of a relationship and it just, be, being in the porn industry made it worse. Um, you know, you you go on set and you perform and you do the movie and then you're expected to go home and be intimate with your husband. It, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's, when you're on set, um, it's, it's, it's almost like um, you're being violated. You're being violated on set, whether willingly or whether you're coerced, forced, whatever. You're being violated. There's a part of you, your spirit, your soul, that's being violated. So when you're doing that and then you go home and you're expected to be intimate with your husband, it doesn't mesh. And so um, it was bad before, but at least it wasn't. It was, you know, we were a um, monogamous couple. I mean, we did, we do do a lot of, we did a lot of um, swinging, yeah. We did that, but, you know, at least we were, um, it was just us two, if that makes sense. Yeah. But the, the way it changed it is um, it became, there's actually, I actually want to use a quote from one lady. Um, she said that when you're in the porn industry, it's not about having an intimate connection. It's about serving somebody with your sexuality, and that's exactly how it was. It was like I was serving him. I was like there was nothing for, I wasn't getting anything out of it. It was I was serving him. I was pleasing him. So any, any intimacy that we had before that, it just went out the window. Um. What about friends and family? Did you have friends and family in your life who are saying, April, you're really going down a bad, bad road here, and maybe try to reach out and help? You hide that kind of thing from your friends and family. Yeah, you don't want anybody to know. It's very shameful. So what we were actually, um, 
in contact. I didn't have any contact with my family at all because by age 13, I lost contact with my father and um, I never met anybody on my mom's side of the family. I came from a very fractured family. As far as his family is concerned, we just completely hid it from them. We had a few friends who, who knew about it, but they were guys and they were into porn as well, so they thought it was cool, you know? So I didn't have any real healthy input. No one that really cared about me as far as my family is concerned, they knew nothing about it. Would you lead us through the day, the first day that you went on porn set? And I really want um, us to hear what it was like for your heart, you know? So waking up, the knowledge that this was what was about to happen. And maybe just lead us through how that day went, what it was like on set, um, and then what it was like coming home. Okay, well, um, we, we met the producer, or we, we, there was a driver, so my husband and I, we drove to a parking lot, and we met the driver in a parking lot. He drove us to the porn set. He, they drive all the girls on, they drive all the girls to the porn set. It's very secretive. At the time, it was still kind of secretive, you know, especially we did it in a suburban community, so they didn't want to bring a lot of attention to it, so they had a driver that drove all the girls back and forth from a designated spot to the house. Well, anyhow, um, we got there, so it was already, like, real, you know, secretive and, ooh, you know. Um, so we get there, and I remember walking in, and it was just, it was extremely overwhelming. You have, like, you have the photographers there, you have all the cameramen there. And I, you look around, and even though my husband was with me, he was kind of like my protection, it's like, now what... What's going to happen? You don't know what's going to happen. You just see all these, all these guys, all these people. There was a few girls there, but not many. Well, the girls who performed, but there's a couple of like girl photographers, but not many. And so it's like, it's just you have a lot of thoughts racing through your minds. What's going to happen? So automatically you zone out into porn mode, and you're just like, okay, I'm here. I can't back out now. Some guy just drove me. How am I supposed to say I want to get out of here? My husband's here. I can't leave. He'll be mad. So it's like, okay, shut yourself off. You just got to go through it. So you walk in. Automatically, they put your makeup on. And and it's, it's, it's really strange because it's just like, okay, take off your clothes now. Okay, be, you know, pose in this position. And all the while this is going on, you just... It's all these people, and you think, you know, I'm taking my clothes off, and all these people are, are looking at me, and it's just, it's, it's so overwhelming, and it's, it's scary because you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And, you know, you go in, it's like, okay, well, here's the guy that you're going to do the scene with, and um, so it's just, it's, it's very overwhelming, and you're there, and they film about three or four scenes in one day, so a lot of times you have to wait there for your for your scene to to come up. So you're either out taking drugs with the other performers, you know, doing whatever you can to get your mind off of it. But you just have to go along with the the charade. And so I was there for about four hours, and by the time your scene comes up, you're already so emotionally drained because you know, oh gosh, you know, you're so you're just, you're worked up, and you're just so ready to get out of there, but you can't, so you're just emotionally drained, and, you know, it's, when you turn yourself off, it, it, it's a blur, it's, a lot of it's a blur, I remember, you know, you know, they tell you which positions to be in, and, and it's, it's like they're barking orders at you, and um, you, you just, you're just doing what they say, and, you know, they'll make degrading comments to you, or, 
you know, and, and I remember at the very, at, at, when my scene was done and I went to the dressing room with the other girls and one of the girls said to me, welcome to the family. And that was really, that was really odd. It's just like family, you know, dysfunctional family, but you know, that's how they see it. You know, it's, it's a very dysfunctional environment and a lot of them actually do see it as a family, even though all the, all this horrific stuff that goes on, you know. Um, <clears throat> speak to us a little bit about this porn mode and, 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 and those in, not so much with yourself, but those you mingled with on set, you know, did you sense a hardness about them? Uh, and um, did you sense that everyone was using drugs or alcohol or was just a few of them? Uh, and then what was it like coming home that day? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Everybody was on drugs. I went out in the backyard and um, the performers, all of them were out there, you know, smoking pot, you know, taking cocaine, whatever it was. Um, so, so yeah, and what was that? Uh, yeah, I guess just a, bit, a little bit about the hardness of those around you. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, it's it's very competitive. These girls, they're very, very competitive. And um, so when you go on there, especially if it's your first time, it's kind of like fresh meat type of thing. Because once a girl is in the industry for a while, unless she's a contract girl, unless she's she's been in for a long time and is really popular, um, it's, you, you know, no one wants to use you that much anymore. And so... When a fresh new girl comes on, it's it's very competitive, especially if the girl has been in for a few months or a few years. And yeah, it's very hard. You know, if you don't go in already hardened, that industry will hard, harden you very, very fast. I mean, like I said, you have to turn yourself off, not only that, but you don't, the, the, the people around you, you don't trust them. It's, it's very, um, yeah, it's all the girls, all the girls are hard. It's, you can't survive in that industry and not be hard you know there's no one sweet if a girl looks sweet on camera if she's either a brand new or she's faking it no if you've been in for even a month two months you're going to get hard and that part of yourself is just going to die there's a part of yourself that dies when you're doing that and you know it's the part that you know that god created to be intimate with other people but it's far from intimacy it's just prostitution over and over and over again and you can't help but become hard in an industry like that. It's very cutthroat. Thanks. Um, where was God in your life? Were you speaking to him? Were you crying out to him? Did he not exist to you? I was raised in a um, Protestant home. Uh, I was raised in the church so I knew very well about God. Um, I was actually going to a Christian college for a while. Um, but while I was in the industry, you know, that, that thought was always in the back of my mind. And I knew, I know now looking back on it, I know that he had his hand on me and I know that he was protecting me. But you shut that part of yourself off. If you, if you listen to it, um, you can't listen to the Holy Spirit's conviction and continue on in that. You have to ignore it and so I, I knew what I was doing was wrong and it's funny I knew what I was doing was wrong but I tried every way to justify it I, I would wake up at night saying this is this is bad what I'm doing but then I, I would say to myself oh it's not really it's just a job or oh I'm not really you know ruining sexuality because I'm not really can I'm not really in love with any of these people and you make excuses and you you continue to make excuses for long enough, you believe them. 
and I believed him on the surface, but deep inside I never did. Um, so I ignored God, you know. I just, I, I just tried to, to shut him out. And um, yeah, you have to. Was there much thought of your future, or were you living just for the day? There is no thought of my future. The only thing you think about is the now, the here and the now. You think about the money, and then once you're once you get your check, and in my case, I gave it to my husband, and he used it for whatever it was that we used it for. Um, and then you just, well, you know, think of the next, you know, the next movie you're gonna do. It's, it's, you don't think about the farthest into the future you think about is the next film. You don't think about, you know, several years into it. I mean, I would think of it occasionally because I have a daughter. You think to yourself, oh gosh, what's she gonna think? You know, she gets older and, and, you know, realizes that I'm doing this. What's she going to think? What if she finds my movies? And then, but then you tell yourself, oh, that's never going to happen. You know, you, you're, you're, it's almost like you're trapped in and you're trying to justify it every which way to keep yourself in. But you know, you know, deep inside that, that it's, it's bad. When did you start having thoughts of, I need to leave this? Uh, and, and when was breaking point? and explain to us how that happened. Well, first of all, the infections I caught was a pretty good sign. I got several infections when I was in the industry. Everybody does. Um, by the grace of God, I never got an STD, which um, about 90% of the girls do. I never did, though. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it got to a point where it was just wearing me down so emotionally. And not only that, but just the fact that my husband was involved with me and one day, I, it, was, it got to a point where I said to myself, he doesn't love me, what am I doing this for? You know, wh why am I doing this for him? And I, mean, I was doing it for me too, but you know, he was the one who was my manager. And um, so, I mean, it was my choice, but you know, the fact that he was in with me, it, it, it made it, um, I, 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 was, I felt like I couldn't leave because I didn't want to upset him. But, you know, it got to a point where I said to myself, um, I was about to do this one scene, which I won't go into detail, but it was a very, very hard scene. And I expressed to him, look, I can't do this, you know, because I, I had an infection at the time. I'm like, I can't do this scene. And he got so angry. And that's when I said to myself, you know, why, why am I doing this? You know, he's, so I just told him straight out. I said, I, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, it took a lot of courage of, uh, I didn't know what he would say. I knew he'd be mad, but I didn't know. I, I didn't know what would happen, but I just, I knew I couldn't take it anymore. It got to, I knew that if I continued on, that I would, I would lose it. And, you know, something really, really bad would happen. And I don't know if it was God or just my own um, reasoning, but um, it just, I, I knew I could no longer do it. <clears throat> and speak to us a little bit about once you got out and then how you began to find healing and what that looked like. Well, once I got out, um, a few years later, of course, my marriage dissolved. And, um, you know, so I I had nothing to show for my time in the porn industry. You know, I was in for six months. I made thousands of dollars even though 15, only 15 movies, those girls make a lot of money. But, you know, when they get out, they have absolutely nothing to show for it. I was the same way. Um, you know, so I, I lost custody of my child. 
you know, he got custody and so I was, I was very broken and I was very hardened and um, I continued on, you know, I was taking drugs when I was in the porn industry so I just, that was what I resorted back to, you know. Oh, well, you know, I have nothing so I just started partying and taking drugs and um, the healing came when, you know, I finally woke up and, I, you know, I was like, you know, Lord, I can't, I, I, I can't live this way anymore. You know, something has to change. It was when I surrendered to him that the healing actually began. It didn't begin before that. I was out of the industry about five, six years before I, you know, finally turned to God. And um, he was the one who began that healing in me. Um, what was it that made you turn to God? There's a, a Christian radio station. I, For my job, I, I drive around a lot, and I just started listening to that. And through that, God was speaking to me and just more and more gradually. And, you know, he just, um, you know, it's just one day I just, I couldn't resist the Spirit of God anymore. It's just like, okay, you know, I have to. I can't go on living like this. I was going through depression, you know, the, the drug abuse. I was just worn down. And... Um, I, I felt like damaged goods. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I'd like to do is maybe just talk a little bit about your work after you got out of the industry um, with the girls that you've worked with in the past, maybe a couple of stories, um, and maybe some of the on practically how healing has been happening. Um, because I know one thing that is very evident of all of us who are here tonight and my wife and I who know you is just there is this great peace and joy about you. You're a beautiful Christian woman of God and you're very articulate and intelligent and, and clearly that doesn't happen. You don't go from, well, maybe the spirit can do anything, but from being broken to sort of like that. So maybe speak to us a little bit about how that healing took place. Um, so uh, how the healing took place and then your work outside with those in the industry. Well, the healing took place by um, just... Uh um, immersing yourself in the Word of God. You know, it's like his Word says, um, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way that's going to happen is through God's Word. And that's how healing that's how healing began in me, and that's how it continued in me. It was a gradual process, of course. I mean, I'm still healing. You know, I still got a lot of things I'm trying to work through, but, you know, by the grace of God, and he's um, he's just been so good. You know, he's been so... You know, he's opened my eyes up to a lot of things. And, um, you know, when you're in that industry, you, you don't think you're worth much. And, you know, we're all sinners, of course. But, you know, you think that you have absolutely no worth and, and that sex is all you're good for. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a slavery. And uh, that's the way I felt. You know, even after I got out of the industry, um, I actually got into an abusive, one of the things that happened to me after I got out, one of the things that really... Um, God had to heal me from was I got involved in a abusive relationship to where I had disclosed about my past being in porn and he basically said you're damaged goods but I stayed in the abusive relationship because I didn't think I was worth anything I didn't think that I I believed him he said you're not going to get any better than me and I believed him so I stayed and it was physically and emotionally abusive and um where he almost killed me and I ended up escaping but um and I dealt with that for a long time, and then just, Lord, through his word, God just, you know, renewed my mind and showed me that, um, that you know, Jesus Christ died for me. And it's not about me being worth anything, but just, you know, who I was in his eyes. So um, that really is just the gradual, you know, being in God's word. And as far as the girls, the girls, yeah. Um, for the last um, four years or so, 
I've been um, reaching out to girls who in the sex industry, uh, porn industry or prostitution or whatnot, and um, I actually, for a while, I was going, me and um, another, me and the organization that I was working for for a while, we're actually going to the porn conventions. And we would actually go around and we give the girls little care packages with makeup and um, the gospel message and just, you know, just little things that they like. And we'd go around and, you know, just let them know, hey, you know, um, you're, you're made for better things than this. You know, God loves you. You know, here's just something... Um, you know, to just, to just, you know, practically, you know, to, you know, to, to, to put your faith into practice, you know, just. Yeah, and how did they receive, I guess you were with a group of Christians. Yeah. How did the porn convention receive a group of Christians roaming around and as nice as you were, you were still giving them the gospel? How, how did people react to that? Like I said, in that industry, it's all about money, and we paid for the booth there inside the convention, so as long as you have the money, you know, they don't care, as long as you're not, you know, making a nuisance of yourself, but we weren't doing that. We were just going around. Um, in these conventions, what happens is um, you have different production companies, and they all set up booths, and they'll have, like, two or three girls, two or three of their girls manning the booth, signing autographs, taking pictures with the people at the convention, whatnot, and um, we just went in there, and, you know, we'd go up to the girl, and, you know, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of the girls... They're like, hey, you know, and they'll get ready. They're in their porn mode. Hey, you know, and they'll, they'll think you wanted to get a picture taken with them or something. Or, And it's like, no, no, that's okay. We're just, we want to give you this gift. Hey, our booth's over there. Come say hi. And, and a lot of them are like, why? You know, because they don't think that, well, why are they giving me this? What do you want? You know, I remember one time I went up to this girl and I gave her one of the bags and she's like, why are you giving me this? And I said, you know, this is just to show you that, you know, we care about you and, you know, God loves you and our booth over. She's like, oh, wait a minute, let me give you a picture. And, and it's like, no, we don't want that. It's like she couldn't, she couldn't fathom that someone would just give her something because, you know, we care about her. And a lot of these, they have that mentality drilled into them that everybody wants something. And so, yeah, we would just go around, we give the girls these, 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 you know, little care bags and, um, they say, hey, you know, um, whenever you're ready to get out, if you decide to get out, you know, here's our information. And um, uh, quite a few of them did contact us afterwards. You know, nobody's, nobody wants to stay in there. They're just, they, they want a way out. They just don't see a way out. How many people did you see leave the industry, say, over the three or four years that you were working for this industry or ministry? Um, I mean, if it's... It's very difficult to, to get them to leave because you have to get to a point where the money doesn't matter anymore. You have to get to a point where you're so broken that, you know, you 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 see, you know, I got to get out. I don't care. That That's where I was. It's like, you know, I don't care what happens. I just got to get out. Um, I've, there's been about, um, gosh, maybe about, 40 girls who've gotten out um but it's 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 very very difficult because a lot of these girls they don't know any other way you know they grow up they they've been through abuse you know they've been raped or whatnot and um they they don't see themselves as being good for anything else so it's very difficult to convince them that 
they can come out and, you know, they can find a new life. For example, um, one of my friends was in the industry. He, um, he made probably about a thousand movies. And he finally got out because of God, because he's just sick of it. And, you know, he was, he was telling me, you know, I can't get a job anywhere. He said, I wake up and I'm so tempted just to go back. You know, everybody knows who I am. I can't get a job anywhere. I can't lead a normal life. And it's like that for a lot of these girls, you know. I mean, they try it. They, they go. They try to acclimate. And it's just difficult for them, either because they're recognized. And, you know, when you're recognized, you're just like, oh, that is all I'm good for. You know, this is all people will know me for. Or they don't have any skills. It's just, it's very difficult. So when they do decide to get out, it's not just like, oh, okay, you're out now. You, they have to be, they have to be discipled. They have to be, you know, followed up. And speak to us a little bit about, you know, at least one story of someone who you were able to help out of the industry who's doing okay. Tell us, give us some hope. Well, there's this girl I've been counseling online for about two years now. Um, she did a few movies, but she was mostly um, worked in a strip club, and she did some webcam stuff. And, um, you know, it's just, she, w when she first came, when, she, when I first started interacting with her, um, I pretty much, you know, she pretty much said to me, well, I can't stop doing this now. But so you just, you got to count, you got to just um, be patient with them and just, you know, show them, well, hey, it's, it's just about really being patient and being a friend for friend to them. And even, you know, she, <laughs> she, um, she got out of the dance, she got out of stripping, you know, she got out of the movies, but she still has a lot of issues. And um, so, you know, she'll contact me and, and I'll talk to her online and she'll say, it's just, they want somebody to open up to. They want somebody who knows that, you know, there, there is hope on the other side, you know, they don't have to, to be in this place, and once they know that somebody understands and that you know somebody has managed to get out and stay out, that gives them more reason to to stay out. Thanks. Well, what we wanted to do just in this half hour that we've taken is really just sort of throw the the bare bones of the story out, the Twitter version, and uh, just to allow you to maybe speak about it with those around you. And undoubtedly, there's, we could go into this at greater depth. And if there's questions that you have, please think about some questions. We'll come back in about 10 minutes, and then we'll just take questions from the floor for either April or myself. So thank you. Thanks, April.